It is Thursday, February 1st. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. The Seahawks with a new coach. And Boston College needs to find one. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Seattle Seahawks score Mike McDonald to be their head coach. Boston College head coach Jeff Halfley becoming the new Packers defensive coordinator. And we're going to continue our prop a day. We've got an interview. It's a busy day, Scott, but the NFL is the Vegas lead as always. You mean not the NHL skills competition? Because we have the lineup. It's I've announced. never even heard of that. It's, it's tomorrow night. It's a made-up thing. Tomorrow night skills competition you know sounds dollars. like something for tomorrow all right so here's what we're gonna do uh rob stats guerrera who hosts the 49ers gold standard podcast will join us in a few minutes we did a chief's perspective on yesterday's show we'll do a 49ers perspective on today's show and then of course we're gonna have more interviews as we get rocking and rolling every single day leading up until the super bowl uh which comes you know here in vegas it's like the we're almost a week away which is it's incredible i can't believe the super bowl is is here i remember when it was announced that the super bowl was going to be in yep. vegas and i'm like oh man it's gonna be so cool when the super bowl is here in vegas well we're just a little over a week away but we've been doing the prop per day and if you've been following along uh yesterday's prop was one that i, I we, we loved i loved it which which was uh no team to score 30 points right we said the no on any team to score 30 or more the prop before that was the length time-wise, of the shortest possession over 55 seconds, which has since been juiced. But, AJ, you've got one for today. What is your prop today? The team to score last wins the game. I like the yes. And what's that odds right now? Minus 220 on the yes, plus 180 on the no. Okay, so it's minus 220. Now, people... Hear that number and they're like, eh, I don't know if I want to lay two to one. Fez but why do you this. like this? So Fez talks about this a lot. Like the public likes to bet a little to win a lot. Sure, we so love they, the plus money. They generally want to bet on the plus money side. A lot of pros will take the big minus numbers on Super Bowl props. Uh, but it, t- the reason I like it is simple. I in these games that are tighter, and obviously the line says this is going to be a close game. Mm-hmm. Generally, the team with the ball last wins, and this. Year well, last year was the 18th consecutive Super Bowl where the team that scored last won the game. The last time that the losing team scored the last scored last in the Super Bowl was the Donovan McNabb led Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, so and that's surprising because we've had you know large margins in Super Bowl since then, and you would think that if it's a, a large margin of a game. Like, look at the championship game last week. Uh, 49ers are up by 10. The Lions score to make it a three-point game. They try the onside kick. The Lions wind up being the team that scored last, but they lost the game. So you would think that in a game where we've had margin, a team that scored last could have been the loser. In the Super Bowl, what we, tend to, what we generally see is teams don't sit on a lead. 
the way they would in like let's say a regular season game or a mm-hmm. wild card round game they they keep keep their foot on the gas they're trying to to get to a point where it's it's unfathomable that the other team could come back and win and the other thing is defenses don't start to give up if a def- if a team's up 35 to nothing 35 to 7 in the regular season you'll see them start to play real soft and get, you can have this underneath stuff no big deal in the Super Bowl, they keep playing ball. Like it, it, they treat every down like it's the first down of the game. So I think that intensity, the the intensity not slowing down, is key to this. But I, I just I can't imagine that something. This has sixty nine percent implied implied odds at minus two twenty. This feels more like a, an eighty percent than a seventy percent. Eighteen straight. 18 straight? I mean, so I'm going to add this to our prop a day. Uh, Team to score last wins the game. Yes, minus 220. All right. Uh, Let's continue our breakdown of both teams. Joining us now on Straight Out of Vegas AM. Yesterday, we did a Chiefs perspective. Today, we'll do a 49ers perspective. Rob Stats Guerrero hosts the 49ers Gold Standard podcast. And he joins us right now on Straight Out of Vegas AM. Stats, long time no speak. I'm glad to, to to talk about the Super Bowl with you, brother. Thanks for joining us. Sure. All it took for you to text me was the 49ers making the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's like a once every four years type of thing, you know. And, and we'll, see, <laughs> we'll see if it happens again in another four years. Uh, but speaking of uh, the 49ers being in this Super Bowl, a lot of people felt that this team was good enough to make the Super Bowl last year. Obviously, the injury to Brock Purdy derailed that in the championship game. What's been different about this team dealing with what happened last year as they progressed throughout the year this year? What did you notice? The difference is Brock. I mean, honestly, that's really what separates this team, and it's what separates this team from the previous iterations of the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's the quarterback, because for years when you played the 49ers, it was, well, they're good defensively, but we know if they have to throw... They don't have a guy that can beat us. That's not the case this year. Brock can beat you and has beaten teams and did it last week when he was down 17 points against the Lions. So to me, 13 is the biggest difference in these 49ers. I mean, that's wild to hear that. I mean, not that I don't think that he's good, but I mean, Christian, Christian McCaffrey feels like he's changed everything with this offense. And like if Jimmy Garoppolo had had Christian McCaffrey all those years, he might have a Super Bowl ring. Like if you, if you said, we we either have to be play without Christian McCaffrey or play without Brock Purdy. You think it, it like it, it's that huge of a, a, a drop off to Sam Darnold that they could be just fine without uh without McCaffrey? Well, first of all, I resent you for even making me have to choose between those two options. Um, oh, so that's a scary question. I think I would rather choose to play without McCaffrey, but only because my option in that case is Elijah Mitchell, who set the 49ers rookie rushing record when he was there. So like I can kind of rely on Elijah Mitchell. I have zero trust in Sam Darnold. I wouldn't trust Sam Darnold to come in and do a kneel down at the end of the game. Like he'll find a way to throw an interception. So if, if those are my choices, I guess I would choose to play without Christian McCaffrey, but your point is well taken. He has been incredible since joining the 49ers. He has never had a bad game with the 49ers ever. He's unbelievable. So, yes, I don't want to totally discount the contributions that he has made since he's been in San Francisco. And it's hard to point out who's exactly been the most valuable aspect of this 49ers team because, on one hand, I could argue Debo Samuel. 
has been the most important 49er. I mean, last week when he was questionable to play with the shoulder injury, all we did was talk about the stats and the numbers of, you know, what the 49ers do ATS-wise when he plays and when he doesn't play. And it's staggering. When he's on the field, he opens everything up for everybody. And when he's not, the 49ers are at a significant disadvantage. I think it's the combination of the two. Like, to be honest with you, you know, sometimes we fall into this trap of, hey, Brock Purdy benefits from Debo and CMC and Kittle and stuff. And that's all true. He absolutely does. But they also benefit from each other. Christian McCaffrey benefits from having Debo out there. Debo benefits from Christian McCaffrey out there and Kittle. They all benefit from each other. And that's why you do see such a big difference when Debo is there with Christian McCaffrey because instead of just having one guy that affects the defense wherever he goes on the field, they have two. So then just think of any play where they're lined up and all of a sudden uh, you've got Debo Samuel coming in motion across the formation. That changes the assignment of every defensive player as he moves across the field. And then as soon as he's done moving, Christian McCaffrey shifts across the formation in the opposite direction, changes everybody's responsibility again, and then boom, the ball is snapped. So if you have even one defensive player that's kind of confused about, wait, what am I doing now? I'm supposed to guard Debo and now McCaffrey's out wide and what? And then all of a sudden, the play is past them, and the 49ers have a huge gain. What are your thoughts on the way that the the Niners have, I don't want to say struggled, but I mean, I guess they haven't dominated in these playoffs the way that we got used to seeing them dominate in the regular season. What's been different about them the last couple of weeks? We, we, like, we thought they were going up against, you know, sub, kind of, I don't want to say subpar competition, but for playoff teams, it seemed like subpar competition. What do you think has been wrong with the 49ers in this playoff run? Uh, a couple of different things. I would say, first of all, they have not gotten off to the start that they usually get off to. The 49ers scored more points on their opening drive this year than any team in the history of the National Football League. Granted, they play 17 games now, but still, that tells you how effective they were on the opening drive of the game, going down the field, getting a lead immediately. And that makes such a difference for this 49ers team because they're, they're so constructed to play with a lead on offense that allows them to stick with the ground game and to go to the play action game, which is really Kyle Shanahan's strength. He's a master at play action. His straight drop back passing game is, is average at best. So when he can use the play action, that's really when he can hurt you. And then defensively, when they have a lead, they can let those four defensive linemen eat. They can keep seven in coverage, including Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner, who are incredible in coverage. And that's really when they can pin their ears back and attack you. When they don't get that lead, when they don't get off to that fast start, they can't do some of those things. And then they sort of have to play left-handed. And that obviously is when they don't look as impressive as they did earlier in the year when they were steamrolling everybody. Rob Stats Guerrero, host of the 49ers Gold Standard podcast, joining us here on Straight Out of Vegas AM. This is obviously, and no one's going to argue this, Stats, this is a different Kansas City Chiefs team than the ones that we've seen in the past. So what do the 49ers have to do differently to go up against this Chiefs team that is different than what they saw in the Super Bowl four years ago and different than what they saw in Christian McCaffrey's half a first game with the 49ers in 2022? Well, they certainly can't fall behind by 17 points. I wouldn't recommend that strategy. Uh, I don't think that's going to pay off for them. But I think, honestly, what you have to do with the offense to stop the Chiefs offense, my thing is you have to slow down Pacheco. Isaiah Pacheco has been massive for that Chiefs team. He has really stabilized things on the ground. He's, he doesn't always break off huge runs, 
But even if you hit him after two yards, he still falls forward for two more. He's constantly keeping that offense ahead of the chains. And when you look at what they have there now, which is basically Kelsey and Pacheco, and that's it, being ahead of the chains helps them so much because they don't have, you know, the Avengers of personnel like they used to have with Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. And obviously Kelsey was still there, but they don't have that group of guys there. So I think Pacheco keeping them ahead of the chains is a big deal for the 49ers, especially because they have given up over 150 yards a game on the ground in these playoffs. So that has been a problem for them. And I'm sure Kansas City is well aware of it. On the other side of the ball, you got to score points, man. And the problem is this Chiefs defense is really, really good. So Kyle Shanahan has a tall task ahead of him. Plus, Steve Spagnolo, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, is arguably the best big game game planner among coordinators ever. This is the guy that took down Tom Brady and the Patriots twice, I believe. He's the guy that game planned those games. And it's no surprise that when the Chiefs needed to beat Tom Brady, who did they go and get? Steve Spagnolo, and they brought him in to coach the defense. So Spags is going to have a plan. Shanahan's going to really be put to the test. The Niners are going to have to run the ball, and they're going to have to use that play action because I think the Chiefs' corners are too good to just use the straight drop-back passing game. Going back into the regular season, it felt like the 49ers were almost invincible until they played the Baltimore Ravens, that elite defense. Do you think that the there was anything in that game that the Niners looked at and said, this is how we've got to be better against these top-tier defenses, of which there aren't that many in the NFC? Uh, so did that game show anything that the, the 49ers can change against another top-tier defense? I honestly think the 49ers look at that game like we were unlucky. I don't think they look at it like we were totally shot down. I mean, they gained 429 total yards of offense in the game. Even on the drives where they were intercepted, they were moving the ball down the field. It wasn't like a struggle. Unfortunately for them, Brock had a dumb interception on the first drive, and then he threw a couple balls that got tipped. But the Niners, I think they feel like if you could get the truth serum into them, they would tell you, hey, we had a game plan and we were executing it, and they happened to catch a couple tipped balls that maybe some other teams have dropped. So I think if they had to play the Ravens in this Super Bowl, they would have been very, very confident. Um, I think that they look, that's how they look at that Ravens game. Now that may be incorrect. They may be just kind of, you know, getting high on their own supply there. But I think that's what they would tell you. Here on SOVAM Stats, as we get ready for the Super Bowl, we've been doing a prop per day where AJ and I give out like one of our favorite props, a different prop every single day leading up to the Super Bowl. Before I ask you what your favorite prop for this game is going to be, Yesterday, I said my favorite pop, and it's probably my favorite one that, that we're that we're gonna do over the next you know week and a half. Either team to score thirty or more points, no at minus one forty five. The Chiefs have only scored thirty points three times this season. They have never allowed thirty points this season. Looking at both of these teams, looking at both of these defenses, numbers two and three in the NFL in points per game. I don't think either side gets the 30 points. The 49ers would be the one that I would say could get there, but I don't think anybody gets the 30 points. What's your feeling on that prop? Will either team score 30 points? I think I would agree with you. I think I would take no on that. Even though the 49ers have put up 30 10 times this season, I think this is going to be a much closer score to what the AFC championship game was as opposed to the end. I don't think this is going to be like a 34-31 type of game. I really don't. I think points are going to be at a premium. I think the possessions are going to be incredibly valuable, and it may come down to whether Mahomes or Purdy turns it over more. 
but I think I would agree with you. I could easily see this being like a 24-20 type of score. Okay, now I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, have you th- looked at the prop? And look, there's going to be over 200 somewhat novelty props as well in this game. But is there a game prop or a novelty prop that you like for the Super Bowl? The one that I have been going with each of the past two weeks that has won me money is Christian McCaffrey, two or more touchdowns. He's hit it in each of the last two weeks. I only went there because the odds became so ridiculous for the anytime touchdown score. He was at like minus 350, I think, for last week for anytime touchdown score. But you were able to get plus money each of the last two weeks at two or more scores. And the way I look at it is when the 49ers get down to the red zone, Kyle Shanahan does not want to risk it. He wants to be as safe as possible. And there's nothing safer than just handing the ball to Christian McCaffrey in the red zone. He doesn't even necessarily need the greatest of blocking to score. So he's going to have opportunities. And he's just so damn good that he doesn't need that many opportunities to get in the end zone. So I've been making money with that, and I'm going to stick with it. You mentioned Kyle Shanahan's name, and given his playoff history, like is there, is there a feeling that – I know this can't happen often with the, uh, with the 49ers, but is there a feeling like maybe the, the Chiefs have a coaching edge in here? What's the trust like in San Francisco right now for Kyle Shanahan in a big game? Well, it's funny because before the Niners came back from that deficit, Kyle Shanahan was getting hammered and I was the one doing some of the carpentry in that case. I was letting him have it on Twitter, but they did come back and win that game. And Kyle Shanahan does have eight playoff victories in his time with the 49ers. I will say I do get a little nervous about Kyle's game management. I think he's way too conservative on fourth down. I think he gets obsessed with trying to get a two for one. Like let's say the night, if the Niners get the ball after halftime, He starts thinking about how to score at the end of the first half and at the beginning of the second half. He starts thinking about it with like six minutes to go in the second quarter, and he takes his foot off the gas sometimes with the possession because all of a sudden it becomes more about bleeding time off the clock than it does about actually trying to score a touchdown, and that's gotten him into some trouble. It cost him in Super Bowl 54. He butchered the end of the first half in that sequence, and it's cost him multiple times this year where he just doesn't focus enough on actually scoring. He's too worried about, well, what if the other team gets the ball back and they go around and get a field goal? Like, who cares, man? Like, I, I think he, he gets in his own head about that stuff. So he can galaxy brain that stuff. That is a real thing. Um, it just, fortunately for him, sometimes in the playoffs, it hasn't come up. So he's been able to avoid it. But if it does come up, it could be a problem. All right, Stats, final score prediction. What do you got? Oh, don't do this to me. I honestly, I don't even know. I've never, I haven't made an official prediction on the game. I'll say Niners 24-20, but I I have zero confidence in that. I'm, I'm over it, man. Like I don't just win. I can't do another one of this. I can't do it again. The first Super Bowl I ever covered was at New Orleans in 2012, and it was Niners Ravens. And the Niners had the better team that year. I'll never believe they didn't have the better team and they lost the damn Super Bowl. And in 2019, they had the better team against the Chiefs, and they lost the damn Super Bowl. So now I'm here. I don't care if it's 46-45. I don't care if it's two to nothing. But damn it, I need a win. So that's what I'm going with. Just win. He is Rob Stats Guerrera. Check out the 49ers Gold Standard Podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Great stuff, Stats. I'll talk to you in another four years. <laughs> hope, it not a, hope it's not that long, Scott. 
Rob Stats Carrera, host of the Gold Standard, the 49ers Gold Standard podcast. Stats and I worked together for many years at uh, both the four-letter network and the three-letter network. Nice. So, uh, yeah, two different stops. We've worked together. He's, a, he's one of the good guys in this industry, and we'll see him uh, next week when he's here in Vegas for the Super Bowl. A um, couple of news and notes around the league. Uh, the Seahawks have their head coach, Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, the new man for the Seahawks. Yeah, and it's hard to not like this if you're a Seattle fan. Uh, I know all the talk was about Dan Quinn, I mean, Dan Quinn, we've we've seen that act, and it didn't work as a head coach. Mm-hmm. At least Mike McDonald is a, an unscratched lottery ticket. But, man, I have a lot of confidence in this guy. He seems to be one of the – like, he doesn't get as much buzz, as much hype as some of the offensive coordinators around the league seem to get. I mean, there was a lot of talk about Ben Johnson this hiring cycle, a lot of talk about uh, Bobby Slowick. But Mike McDonald, I mean, what he's done with this Ravens defense, uh, dealing with all the injuries that they've dealt with. And there was a thought that, you know, when Wink Martindale left, the defense was going to take a step back. Instead, they they just flourished into the best defense in the league. So I, I think this is a great hire by Seattle. I, I know they wanted to get somebody that was kind of like a, a rising star. Mm-hmm. And and they, let's face it, they wanted to get someone who – they felt like they w- they were comfortable with him under the control of the GM. And some of yeah. these guys who have been around the league longer don't want to work that way. Pete Carroll didn't want to work that way, which I think is really the reason why the separation between those two happened. So Seahawks get a guy that fits what they want, and Mike McDonald gets a job that – you know, obviously is, is winnable. Like they're not they're not way far off from being good. Uh does feel like they draft well. Generally it's an organization that's not cheap. So I think this is a good marriage. Uh I and I'm I'm a fan of the hire. I, I I'm a big fan of Mike McDonald. Young guy, thirty six years old, but he's been groomed by both Harbaugh's. Uh coat was was with you know, John Harbaugh in Baltimore from 2014 to 2020 as a defensive assistant gets hired by Jim Harbaugh to be the defensive coordinator at Michigan for one season and then goes back to the Ravens to become their defensive coordinator for the past few seasons. So he's been groomed and and he's ready. This is the fifth Ravens defensive coordinator to get a head coaching job. And uh, three of the previous four have multiple playoff ex- uh, playoff uh, experience. So Chuck Pagano, Rex Ryan, Mike Nolan, and Marvin Lewis, mm. uh, all highly recognizable NFL head coaches. Well, speaking of defensive coordinators, the Packers have their new D.C., and it's Boston College's Hef- uh, Jeff Hathley, their head coach. So he, th- this is like a, a, this is a big story in college football because oh, – yeah. He is leaving Boston College, a program that he has built up. I know the record's not great, 22 and 26 in four seasons, but bowl eligible in three of four years, and they were 7-6 and six this past year. They won the Fenway Bowl. He's had a, a good run there, especially you know a couple seasons ago when Djokovic was healthy. And Jeff Hathley is a good football coach, but going to the NFL, it says something about college football. And we have, listen to this quote, a source told ESPN, now this is a source close to Jeff Halfley, quote, he wants to go coach football again in a league that is all about football. College coaching has become fundraising, NIL, and recruiting your own team and transfers. There's no time to coach football anymore. So there was a time when... The NFL was that's the that's the best job you could get in yep. football was being an NFL head coach. 
And then you saw guys like Nick Saban's a great example of this. Nick Saban made the jump, wasn't super successful, but also realized when I'm coaching college football, I get to pick all my own players. Yep. I've got full say over everything. I don't have an owner or a GM to answer nope, to. You run the program. This is mine. That's gone 180 now. And college football coaches, it, like, it's not as simple as picking your own players. It's not as simple as if I can go recruit this guy, I've got him. Now it's like, how much money do our boosters have to get this guy? How do I keep this guy from transferring? It, and think about what you have to do the now. The job's changed. Think about what you have to do now. It's not just recruiting players and, and and getting ready to actually coach your team. You have to go meet with the boosters yes. and ask for money to get a player. You have to say, hey, listen, um, you know, I, I love this quarterback out of, uh, you know, whatever school in whatever state. It's going to cost us about three mil. What do we have in our budget? And then you got to go request money from a booster just so you can recruit a high school kid? I, 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 it leaves, leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. I, yeah. I don't like it. And let, let's face it. I mean, it, there was if, remember, if you remember earlier this year, uh, it was the, the the South Alabama OC or the South Alabama head coach, and the, and I think it was Buffalo had a, uh, a head coach. Both of them left their head coaching jobs to go be coordinators mm-hmm. at Alabama. The money's bigger. There's there's certain schools that have the money to pay the coaches that they want to pay, pay the players that they want to play, and everybody else is kind of in a, a rat race for the leftovers. Yep. Boston College is not going to be one of these deep pocket football programs. Uh, Jeff Halfley probably saw the writing on the wall and said, "Man, I'm being asked to compete against Clemson and Florida State mm-hmm. and Miami and Notre Dame. That's going to be difficult." I'm going to go coach football, and I can't say that I blame him. I understand this. It sucks for Boston College because Boston College, I mean, like you said, it, I mean, he was it, the record wasn't great. Yeah. But getting Boston College back to being bowl eligible more often mm-hmm. than not is a big deal. That program was in the shitter. So this is a bummer for them, especially it happening right now. Like, it, it's a bad time to try and find yeah. a head coach right now. Uh, there's, there's a lot of work to be done. So uh, Boston College, a team that I'll probably be looking to go against mm-hmm. uh, uh, next season. But, yeah, this is a it, this is a, a big move. Uh, not, I, I mean, the the football side of it, like, is he going to be a good coordinator for the Packers? Probably. But I, he I has think, NFL experience. He's I, been in the league before. I think this is more of a, a detriment to what's happening, or is, it speaks on what's happening in college football yes. more than anything. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it and it's so easy here Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time. 
for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1 because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. NBA last night, the Bulls topped the Hornets 117-110. The Cavs, who look closer and closer to full strength, uh, 128-120 win over the Pistons. Donovan Mitchell, 45 points, 6 boards, 8 assists. And Darius Garland, back for the uh, the Cavs as he scores 19 points in 20 minutes. Is this now starting to look like the team that you were, you know, hyped this, up about before the season? This is the team that I liked coming into the season. So fully healthy, I do think this team is going to be a handful. Yeah, so uh, we'll see what happens here uh, with the Cavaliers moving forward. Elsewhere, it was the Clippers over the Wizards, 125-109. Kawhi with 31 points and nine boards. Heat topped the Kings, 115-106, 31 from Jimmy Butler. Pelicans, a one. 10-99 win over the Rockets. The Timberwolves beat the shorthanded Mavericks. We kind of called this, you know, with no one playing for uh, for Dallas. 121-87. So, All the way. Yeah, the number didn't even mean anything there. It's a winner for my guys on pregame. There you go. Magic, a 108-98 win over the Spurs. The Thunder topped the Nuggets 105-100. We were wondering about the spread in this one. It was it was close and actually pulled away. The uh, OKC wound up closing at six-and-a-half-point favorites. And they they only win by five. Ooh, only win by five. Denver uh, missing a certain MVP in that game last night. Uh, and then how about Kevin Durant returning to Brooklyn as the Suns took care of the Nets, 136-120. KD, 33 points and eight boards in his return to BK. And the Blazers beat the Bucks. Giannis unable to come through there at the end. 119-116, the Blazers win that game. Tonight, no Joel Embiid for the 76ers. He left that game with the Warriors with a knee injury. He's going to have his knee re-evaluated, or he's going for further evaluation. So the Sixers are at the Jazz and Utah, a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Without Embiid, you like laying the points with the Jazz here? I think I do. Without Embiid, it's it's hard to want to back. Uh, it's hard to want to back Philly. And from what I was reading yesterday, it, don't be surprised if Joel Embiid misses a good chunk of time mm. trying to get himself right. I think now he realizes this isn't this whole MVP thing isn't meant to be this year. 
got to find some uh, new priorities. Your Cavs are at the Grizzlies. Cleveland laying five and a half. Do you take that positive momentum from last night and lay the points tonight on the road? I, I don't want to lay points with a team on a back-to-back, okay. so I'll pass. But, uh, but th- I mean, if I were playing it, that's the only side I'd play. Pacers are at the Knicks. New York, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. No one hotter than the Knicks. No, the Knicks are on fire right now. I, I, my question is, when are the Knicks going to be, like, at the top of the market? Like, when are we going to say, okay, the Knicks are now overvalued? I I don't know when everyone's healthy. Maybe so, maybe yeah. so. But man, it it does feel like uh, they're getting expensive. Like people have people people realize the Knicks don't suck anymore. Yeah. And uh, Lakers at the Celtics. Remember Lakers versus Celtics in the NBA playoffs? Oh that yeah, video game. Yeah. Well, there was Magic versus Bird, was okay. one of the games, right? And then there was Lakers versus Celtics and the NBA playoffs. That was the okay. name of the game. That was for I think that was for Sega Genesis. I think oh. it might have been. I, I then I remember it was Bulls versus Blazers. They, they Bulls versus Blazers well, came after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it was Lakers versus Celtics. I think it was yeah. And the NBA playoffs. Here it is. Look at that. Look at that's classic. Lakers versus Celtics and the game. NBA playoffs. And then I think yeah, you're right. And then they had subsequent years where there was Bulls versus Blazers. Yeah, there you go. What a man throwback. Oh yeah. Throwback. They had halftime shows. <laughs> oh <game>. yeah. This <laughs> is amazing. Anyway, the Celtics ten and a half point favorites at home tonight against the uh Celtics yeah, Celtics ten and a half point home favorites against the Lakers. Taking a look at college hoops from yesterday. Number one, UConn gets a 74-65 win. Stefan Castle, freshman guard for UConn, comes up big with 20 points. This game was a one-point game at halftime. UConn just put the pressure on, pulled away in the second half. Number two, Purdue, pushed to the brink by Northwestern. They win in overtime, 105-96. to Boo Booey with 25 points for Northwestern. Zach Eady, 30 points. Ten of them came in the overtime period. Uh, so they go to overtime, and Purdue almost covers the 12-and-a-half-point wow. spread in overtime. There was an upset in overtime yesterday. Number 10, Kentucky, fell to Florida, 94-91 to in overtime at Rupp. So a home loss for Kentucky. Walter Clayton hit a three to tie the game for Florida with just two seconds left in regulation, and they go on to win in overtime. Number 16, Auburn dominates Vanderbilt, 81-54. to Vanderbilt continues to just be pathetic. 0-7 now in SEC play. Auburn covers easily as an 18-point favorite. My three-star best bet on pregame.com yesterday, the number 18 Baylor Bears, 77-69 win at Central Florida. It wasn't easy. Uh, Baylor was behind for probably 36 of the 40 minutes of this game, <laughs> but o- overwhelmed them as the game went on. Uh, UCF was playing without two starters, and you could tell that depth started to to take a toll on them late in the game. Baylor, 77-69 win. And another huge upset, New Mexico, who was a nine-and-a-half-point favorite at home, number 19, New Mexico, They fall 86-78 to Boise State, so a rare home loss in the pit for the Lobos. Number 24, Alabama, gets an 85-76 win at Georgia. They were down 14 points at halftime. This was an absolute melt. I I mean, I played Georgia plus six yesterday. I was feeling great Mm. about this thing the whole way through. 
They get outscored 58-35 in the second half and failed to cover the game, obviously, a nine-point differential. So bit of a, uh, a tough pill to squall a tough pill to swallow in that one yesterday only a couple games in the top 25 today number six Wisconsin goes on the road they're going to try to win in the Big Ten on the road which has been a difficult task this season uh, well last season too uh, in the last two years home teams 59 percent ATS in Big Ten play, uh, they are at Nebraska. Corn, a one and a half point dog at home, and number eleven Arizona, a seventeen and a half home favorite against the Cal Golden Bears. Just three games in the NHL last night as the first half of the season comes to a close. The Senators, a 3-2 overtime win in Detroit over the Red Wings. The Kings doubled up the Predators 4-2. And also in overtime, the Ducks, a 3-2 win over the Sharks. So the NHL heads into the All-Star break. The skills competition will be tomorrow evening. Tonight is the All-Star draft. And I actually have two plays on the skills competition, AJ. Um... I might as well give them out now. Right? Might as well before let's, the lines move. Let's exactly. Let's give them out to the people here before the lines move. And these odds are courtesy of the DraftKings Sportsbook. So you go to DraftKings, you can find uh, NHL All Star Skills Competition bets. Um, they have bets for the overall winner of the skills competition, and then they have uh, individual events. So, man, you know something. We've already seen some money move on this. I gave out some plays to my clients, two plays, gave them out on the pregame forum, and we've already seen line movement on these. So I apologize, but I gave them out last night. So let's talk about them here this morning. First play is a uh, it's, it's going back to the well with a bet that I won last year. I gave out on this podcast and on pregame.com Elias Pedersen to win the NHL's hardest shot competition at plus 400. He won that event last year. This year, his odds were plus 250. And so I gave it out at plus 250, sprinkled a little bit myself on the plus 250. Well, I didn't do it myself. I had to call somebody who has DraftKings, and I said, hey, you know, put some money on the plus 250 for Elias Pedersen for me. And they were like, I don't want to. And I was like, do it for me, please. Please. Just get me down. And they were like, all right, but I get a percentage. Yeah, yeah, that's how it works. All right? Get the bet down for me. Anyway. Elias Pedersen now has moved to the favorite at plus 200. So you still get plus 200 odds, but Pedersen is the pick for me to win the hardest shot. And then the fastest skater competition, also seen some movement on this. I gave out Matthew Barzal at plus 225. He is now plus 200. He's still the second favorite, though. Connor McDavid is the favorite in this event. At plus 130, but Matthew Barzal of the Islanders, the second favorite at plus 200. That's my pick to win. He won the event a couple of seasons ago and actually posted a faster time than Connor McDavid. So I like Barzal at plus 200 to be the fastest skater. Elias Pedersen at plus 200 currently to win the hardest shot competition. It is a new format for the NHL skills competition. There are 12 players. 12 players will compete in four of the first six events. And then the top eight will move on to the seventh event. And then the top, uh, I think it's uh, six, will move on to the then 
eighth and final event. It's like an obstacle course. It's a whole bunch of stuff. It's a million dollars to the winner. So there's a lot on the line here. It's a great stacked crowd. Connor McDavid of the Oilers. Uh, you got William Nylander of the Leafs. Quinn Hughes of the Canucks. Kale McCarr of the Avalanche. Matthew Barzal of the Islanders. We mentioned Elias Pettersson of Vancouver. Nathan McKinnon of Colorado. Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, Oilers, Nikita Kucherov of the Lightning, JT Miller of the Canucks, Austin Matthews of the hometown Maple Leafs, David Pasternak of the Boston Bruins. So that'll be on uh, tomorrow night. Tonight is the draft. They'll draft the teams for the All-Star festivities. There's also going to be part of All-Star Weekend, a three-on-three game from the uh, PWHL, the Professional Women's Hockey League. Oh, a little three-on-three Can't wait to watch that. So I'm sure you'll be all over that. Here's what you guys should be all over at pregame.com. I gave out those plays at better odds, by the way, on the pregame.com forum. So if you guys, you know, are curious, go check out the pregame.com forums. You know, you can post there. You can post your picks there. A lot of people post picks there. But I gave out those two plays for free on the pregame.com forum. So head head to the website and check that out. But also, if you go to the website, any purchase you want to make, take $15 off. That includes a seven-day all-access. Sure, why not? $15 off using the promo code CHIEFS15. CHIEFS15 saves you $15 at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman, our guest, Rob Stats Carrera, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM.